Hey y'all, we're going up on a Tuesday edition of NSN Daily. It is a week full of postseason action on the high school diamonds. We recap a busy Monday of baseball and look ahead to today's games. I tell you, he is a good pitcher. And a former McQueen standout showing out in the pros. Robbie Snelling awarded for his dominant efforts. You know, we're starting to become uh, our best selves at the right time. We got to go back to a wild Monday in the association as Caleb Martin and the Heat move a win away from the conference finals. And we're diving into Chris Murray's mailbag with another round of your pressing questions. That and a whole lot more right now on NSN Daily. Well, hello there. Alongside Chris Murray, I'm Mike Stephenson, and you are rocking with NSN Daily on a Tuesday. Chris, a big week on the Diamonds. In the rundown, though, I buried the lead, the Little Dodgers, back ah. to work today. Yeah, we got a game today uh, against the Braves. Maybe not quite as high stakes as the high school games going on, <laughs> but great to see regional championships being played this week, and then we obviously got state next week. Good luck to you guys today. <laughs> Let's get things started with last night's NBA action, though, and a pair of game fours from both Miami and Los Angeles, two fun destinations to watch a game. In Tinseltown, the Lakers trying to go up 3-1 on the Warriors. Dubs, of course, thinking otherwise. Pick it up second quarter. Warriors up by three before Anthony Davis turns, spins, throws it down with two hands. A lot of talk about could he put back-to-back -back strong games together and AD answered the call. Uh, specifically in the first half. Maybe yeah. not so much in the second half, but he really helped get the Lakers off to a fast start. There's LeBron hitting the three, and it was really back and forth over those first 24 minutes. Mm, after these two teams exchanged blowouts, game two in Oakland, then game three in LA, this one lived up to the billing, a nail biter pretty much throughout the entire thing. As you see Austin Reeves hooking up LeBron, we're in the third quarter here. Dubs still holding a one point lead. That lead now seven before Draymond Green hooks up Curry on the cut. Stefan did a little bit of everything as he was a rebound away from a triple-double with like eight minutes to go in the third. And he ended up getting that triple-double. So his third ever in the postseason. Maybe didn't hit a couple of shots down the stretch that he would have liked, a couple of turnovers. But he was their best player in this game. Didn't get a lot of help. Just a sick behind-the-back pass to Dante DiVincenzo. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists for number 30. Needed some help otherwise, though. Down four, Lakers. That's a tough shot by LeBron. With the defense in his face, Braun had 27, 9, and 6. There's Davis. Again, Chris mentioned a quiet-ish second half showing up when it mattered there, though. He had 23 and 15. Dubs never out of it. That's going to be a four-point play for Curry. That point, Warriors go up two with eight minutes to play. And they were, you know, leading most of this game. They were up 12 in the second half. They were up by seven entering the fourth quarter. The Lakers really clipped that down, and then Lonnie Walker took over. The what quarter? <laughs> the fourth quarter. The Lonnie Walker, the fourth quarter. He had six buckets in the fourth quarter, scored 15 points. Last second heroics, no good for Curry. And the Lakers hold on 104-101 to take a 3-1 series lead. Here's LeBron and Lonnie as they celebrate sounding off afterward the greatest feeling you can ever ever imagine um you know as a kid this is something i've been dreaming of doing not just being a part of the playoffs but impacting it yet alone and winning the playoffs and um you know i'm just i'm truly proud of, of myself you know it, it really shows my my capabilities and just my mental fortitude um, i think the hardest thing of you know being being able to play a lot and then not playing at all is sticking with it you know there's 
a lot of uncontrollable things that you can't control. And um, you just got to take it day to day, stack the days, and every single day you're trying to be better than who you were yesterday. So um, that's what I'm always trying to accomplish is just reach my best self. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory, obviously, how special he was in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, he had 15 of our 27 points. Um, but just more importantly, just like, you know, my, in my career, my 20-year career, is, I've seen a lot of young guys um, kind of lose confidence in themselves or lose themselves if they you know, been in a rotation or started or had big uh, minutes on the team and then they get taken out of the lineup, you know, because of certain situations or circumstances, whatever the case may be, and they just completely lose themselves, you know. And, um, you know, for him to be a young guy in his league um, and, and just consistently every single day showed up, been a professional, uh, great energy, you know, high character, um, it showed why he was able to, you know, throw everything to the side and just be him tonight in that moment and uh you know the game ball definitely goes to him we don't win without him how about lonnie walker the fourth as he said the candle stays lit didn't even see him at all in game one and here he comes a guy that started earlier in the season 15 mm-hmm. huge points in the fourth yeah he kind of fallen out of the rotation in the playoffs but he did have a big game two when the lakers are getting That's blown right. out they were playing the backups he played well got more running game three game four didn't have any points didn't have any shot attempts in the first three quarters so to be able to put up 15 points on six of nine shooting they kept going to him late in the game and it was a little bit weird because you have <laughs> anthony davis you have lebron and you're like okay like I know he's hot, but that's not your go-to guy, but he ended up being the go-to guy in this game. The first Laker to score 15 points off the bench in the fourth quarter in a playoff game since Kobe Bean Bryant in 2000 and, no, 1997. So that's it's been right. a long, long time that we've seen a performance like this. And Lonnie Walker was a highly regarded prospect coming out. He was drafted by the Spurs number 18 overall in 2018. So uh, he's certainly got some talent, and to be able to Basically, sit on the bench for the majority of the postseason and show up big in this game is huge for his career. How about getting embraced by LeBron, who I think Lonnie was like, what, four or five years old when King James started his career. Unbelievable stuff there from the purple and gold as the candle stays lit and the Lakers take a 3-1 series back to San Francisco. We had another game for yesterday over in South Beach. Heat hosting the Knicks. Of course, Miami was able to get one of the first two at Madison Square Garden. This Miami Heat team has lost just twice in the postseason, Chris. This after they nearly got bounced out in the play-in. Yeah, I mean, they lost their first play-in game, and the second play-in game, they're down five with five minutes to go. They were almost out of the tournament before the tournament even started, but they have flipped the switch. They have looked the uh, made the, the Knicks not look all that great. Uh, Julius Randle played okay in this game. Uh, Jalen Brunson played okay in this game. R.J. Barrett didn't have the best game. Uh, Caleb Martin had the best dunk Woo-wee! though right there. That got the fans <laughs> pumped in Miami as Caleb, yeah. Off the bench, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. You said it, though, the Knicks kind of a shell of themselves as Miami is really flexing on them as the 8th seed. Yeah, they rolled right through the Cavaliers, and I think the Cavaliers' lack of size in a, a certain areas kind of hurt them, but the Heat have been able to show that they can hit another level when it gets to the postseason that led by Jimmy Butler, but players like Caleb Martin really stepping up. And I just look at Caleb's career and obviously the micro of 10 points, five rebounds in this game, but the macro of the fact that the Charlotte Hornets, one of the worst franchises in the NBA prior to last season said, you're not good enough for our roster, we're gonna cut you. And then he lands in Miami, a good organization that has won a lot of championships and is usually in Eastern Conference Finals, gets him, 
and you know develops in and, uh, him into the kind of player that he could be. Ooh. And it, you know it just shows you the difference between being with a bad organization like the Hornets and a good organization like the Heat. And the Heat get the best out of their players. And Caleb playing such a big role for this team. And um, you know certainly that's a that's a poster dunk right there that he's going to remember for a long time. Yeah, I'll tell you what. In the postseason, nonetheless, Miami loving having Caleb Martin on their squad. Here is Caleb sounding off after the win over the Knicks. We're taking um, more strides to be the best version on the defensive end as, as the series goes on. So, um, you know, we're starting to become uh, our best selves at the right time. It shows that we can, you know, we can do it when we're not shooting the ball well. I mean, I think that's been the problem. That was a problem for us earlier in the, uh, in the regular season. I think that uh, we've been starting to figure that out and, and, and understand that, the, you know, what's going to keep us going and keep us alive is on the defensive end. So we, we're, we're finally not uh, starting not to get so caught up on, on the threes being made. And it felt really good. I've been I've been itching for one like that for a while now. So it finally came. I seen the, the, the lane open up, so I had to take advantage. Well, of course, we saw plenty of that inside Lawler Event Center for a handful mm -hmm. of years. But you mentioned it as an undrafted kid, got the chance with the Hornets, of course, got to play with uh, his brother Cody. But finding the right circumstance with that heat culture, Pat Riley reeling him in. Yeah, and I mean, he talked about when he signed with Charlotte that there was some hesitation in the back of his mind doing that, not because he didn't want to be with his brother, because, but because they'd be fighting for minutes and they wouldn't necessarily be able to form their own identity separate of one another because yeah. they played high school together, AAU together, at North Carolina State together, Nevada together, and then to start their pro career together, it's obviously a storybook story, but would that get the best out of both of the players? And I think you've seen since Caleb has gone his own way at a very good organization, he has been able to blossom and hit that next level, and, and really they got a great deal on him. They only gave him a three-year contract about uh, $8 million per year this offseason. He's certainly playing well above that. He's playing uh, minutes over guys who are making $20 million a year, so uh, having a fantastic postseason and it looks like it's going to continue into the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe they'll get his first trip to the NBA Finals. We'll have to see Miami going for that series win Wednesday as are the Lakers. As for tonight, we got the Celtics at home against the Sixers. That series 2-2 and another 2-2 series in the West as the Suns visit the Nuggets. Looking forward to that. How about next on NSN Daily, we go to the High School Diamonds where Monday was busy as the field buys for a regional championship. We have highlights coming up next on Daily. Herrera will send it into right. That could do it. The throw will be late. Jenkins slides in safe, and Nevada wins it. What a week at Hickson Park. Nevada taking two of three from Colorado State, both via walk-offs as the Wolfpack clinches a spot in the Mountain West Tournament, which takes place later this week in San Diego. Nevada also getting to 30 wins for the first time since 2017. Pretty cool that both games, those walk-offs, were on Nevada Sportsnet. As today, Madison Clark, you just saw there, picking up a pair of Mountain West honors, both the player and freshman of the week. She had eight hits, four RBI, three runs scored. Uh, she's an effective slapper as a freshman. Chris. Yeah, hit 352. So like you said, uh, slapping is her game. Speed is her game. 22 steals as well. Got on base at a really high clip. Utility player, so can play a number of different positions. And part of a really strong freshman class for Nevada this year. I know we've talked a lot about those transfers like Gabby Herrera, who came from Oregon, a couple of pitchers. Carly Brown from BYU has been a huge piece of this team. But Linda Garza wants to build this thing long term. And you look at this freshman class, there have been four or five players who have had huge impacts and Madison Clark certainly on that list and she was highly recruited reported interest or offers from Santa Clara Stanford Utah State and Long Beach State picked Nevada and the Wolfpack very happy about that you see that aggressive base running there from mm -hmm. 
Matty Clark, who was one of many names making an impact this week, as you saw highlights against Idaho State. We had that Monday game on Nevada Sportsnet, as well as the three against CSU. A big three-in-one week for the Wolfpack as it heads into the tournament, finishing strong at home. Yeah, I mean, they needed that momentum. They were coming off five straight losses since that point. They've won four out of five games, and it'll be very interesting as they open the Mountain West Tournament against Colorado State, That's the right. team they just played. You don't see that all that often, but these teams will be very familiar. And if the three games that we saw last week are any indication, this is probably going to be a very close game, and we'll see who can make the big plays late in the innings and, and move on to the actual tournament, because if you win your playing game, then you get to a double elimination bracket. Great point. And so the Wolfpack and the Rams part four coming up later this week, but we were at practice yesterday chatting with Coach Linda Garza about that matchup. We're going to still go watch film and see if there's maybe different ways that we can approach certain batters at the plate um, and see if maybe there were some holes. And I think there's some offensive things that we need to do. There's some defensive cues that we didn't do a good job of taking care of the ball this past weekend. So in the next 48 hours, you know, my job is to, to clean up some of our routine mistakes. I think we had in that series probably almost 10 errors in three games. And uh, that's something that to win a conference championship, you're not going to be able to do. So we do need to clean up some spe specific areas and we're going to take care of business there. But right now, it's you're you're just trying to figure out how you can have maybe one more run at the end of the game, and um, and and enjoying the ride. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us at this point. Incredible to think about those two walk-off wins, courtesy of Miley Olson on Thursday, and then the hero Gabby Herrera on Saturday. Nevada squeaking in, although they had found out before that Saturday game that they were technically in the conference, waiting to announce afterward. And how about this? We are excited to announce that Nevada Sportsnet will be airing the Mountain West tournament in softball as you got a sneak peek of Nikki Pika which we're going to talk about that <laughs> in a moment but Nevada Sportsnet once again will be airing every game minus one you can see full details at NevadaSportsnet.com Chris but those first two are critical as play-in contests yeah I really like that format actually so six of the nine teams in the Mountain West made it to the Mountain West tournament but teams three four five and six play each other in the first round and whichever teams win move on to the 14 bracket whichever teams lose headed right back to their home so if Nevada wins against Colorado State they will actually play later Thursday night against number two San Diego State which is hosting this tournament so maybe the fight uh, slight favorite to end up getting that automatic berth into the NCAA tournament so right out of the gate you're gonna have a lot of pressure and you're gonna see it right here on Nevada Sports Net there are uh, all told uh, eight games at least maybe a ninth game if they if necessary is played mm -hmm. and we will air all of the those except for game three of the tournament, which would be Boise State against the winner of San Jose State, Fresno State. All right, good to know. Again, you can see full details at NevadaSportsNet.com. It starts with that 10 a.m. game, 4-5, San Jose State, Fresno State. And as we mentioned, the 3-6 matchup, Colorado State and Nevada will follow at 12-30. Winner of that gets SDSU. As Chris mentioned, winner of that first game will get Boise State, the only one we're not showing. And then we're back at it Friday, and we will have those championship contests for you on Saturday. This tournament returning for the first time since 2006. It was interesting. Coach Garza asked about the return of the tournament after Saturday, and she admitted that she goes both ways on it, but she also feels like that her team and all of these teams that are in the field deserve the chance to play in a conference. Yeah, I think tournament. it makes it more special and interesting later in the year. Now, if you're Boise State and you won this thing in the regular right. season outright, you're probably not happy because they're probably not getting an at-large bid. Uh, San Diego State, I think, could potentially get an at-large bid. They are a top 40 RPI, but that's the whole point of having a conference tournament. If you want to get two or three teams in, having that conference tournament, let's say Nevada goes and wins this, gets the automatic berth, and maybe San Diego State or Boise State's done enough to get an at-large. But it is really cool to see uh, on the softball side and uh, recently on the volleyball side, which they had 
had at a conference tournament a couple of years ago. Um, just that added postseason experience that uh, players like Shannon Kelly on our staff never got to experience right. because since Nevada entered the Mountain West 2012, this is the first year they've had a softball postseason tournament. So it's just going to lead to a lot of great action, and we'll see which team ends up on top. I think San Diego State and Boise State are the two favorites, but I think any of the teams in this field have a chance to win it. You mentioned Shannon Kelly, unfortunately, not getting to play in the Mountain West Tournament. <laughs> she will get to cover it, though, as she will be in San Diego for the Wolfpacks matchup, as will Alex Margulies. You can look for their coverage starting tomorrow right here on NSN Daily. No surprise we're going to be there. All right, meanwhile, a huge week in high school baseball has already begun. Nevada Sportsnet's Nikki Pika recaps Monday night's action on the Prep Diamond. The start of playoff baseball is here for the Northern Nevada high school teams, of course. The 5A North played the first round on Monday, and it was an exciting one to say the least. Let's start with number one, Bishop Nogue, as it hosts number eight, Reed. Bradley Stoner looks to get in scoring position, but he's gonna be thrown out by the Miners' Aiden Bruhart. Now, the bases here are full of Miners, first, second, and third, and Rylan Marika, he's gonna drive the ball to right field, with a diving effort from the right fielder, but is gonna come up short. And Marika will go into second for a double while bringing in two runs in the bottom of the first. But I will tell you with a little dance there, it doesn't stop there. The bats continue to stay hot. A shot to right center, right center for Connor Fromm and the Miners show why it's on top of the 5A North beating Reed 15 to nothing. Now, McQueen is at Reno High, and there's nothing better than playoff baseball. Carl Ledron III on the mound for the Lancers, and he'll catch Harvey Schmerden trying to advance. Good heads-up play to keep runners out of scoring position. And a shot to deep center field. Lancers will go in for an easy double. Great opportunities for the Lancers to capitalize on. Now, Harvey Schmerden finding a way, and he's going to go with this one and takes it to deep right. And that's going to bring in Dawson Planta. And the Huskies will hold on and take down the Lancers 3-2 the final. Galena plays host the Spanish Springs in the first round for a number four and five matchup. And right here, Chase Keller on the mound. A huge strikeout from Keller to limit the threat from the Grizzlies. Now Cougars down by two. Lucas Hudson, he's going to step into the box and look to make some noise and he's going to turn on this pitch and send it all the way to the fence. And he will be in for a double. But the Grizzlies, even after that celebration, are going to be able to get out of the inning, getting a pop-up to shortstop. And they're going to solidify the game with a two-run home run. The Grizzlies score five more, winning 11-3. And finally, a pitcher's duel to end the highlight reel. Douglas's Caden McIver and Damani's Dylan Rogers both throwing absolute gems. These teams will be scoreless through four innings with strikeouts and only three combined hits entering the bottom of the fourth. Now here we have runners at first and second, and Aiden Grace, he's gonna drive this ball to right center field. And that's gonna bring in lead runner Jesse Essensi getting waved home, and he'll be safe. The ball is offline, getting away from the catcher. And the trail runner follows, but he will be called out. A close play at home. The Mustangs are not too happy about it, but they will take a one-nothing lead. And I will tell you, 
it will be enough for its ace, Dylan Rogers, as he has 11 strikeouts and shuts down the Tigers, adding to the win column one to nothing. Here's a look at the winner's bracket of the 5A North playoff race. Number four, Galena will take on top dog Bishop Minogue, while number three, Reno, will head down to Damani Ranch to take, number, take on the number two Mustangs. All games will be played at the higher seeds fields and games on Tuesday at 4 p.m. And we will continue high school playoff coverage all week, so be sure to check in with us on Nevada Sportsnet for all the updates. In the studio, I'm Nikki Pika. Nikki, thanks so much. So as you mentioned, today's games in the winner's bracket include Reno visiting Damani Ranch and Galena is at Minogue. The other matchup, Spanish Springs at Reed, Douglas at McQueen. Those are win or go home matchups. Chris, your thoughts on what we have left here in baseball? Well, yeah, I mean, chalk, all of the higher-seeded teams won, but there were some very competitive games. I mean, that Damani Ranch 1-0 uh, game against Douglas, I mean, you have two... Probably the two best pitchers in the Northern 5A, Dylan Rogers with 11 strikeouts, then Caden McIver from Douglas, and that was a phenomenal outing. And then McQueen really pushed Reno. Um, you know, I think you look at Minogue, you look at Reno, you look at Damani Ranch, I think those are your top three favorites. I think Minogue probably prevails, but I think these are going to be some great matchups today because you don't want to drop into the loser's bracket right now in this uh, part of the tournament. Um, so going out there, that Reed Damani Ranch one is probably the biggest of the games. Uh, Reno uh, did uh, sweep Damani Ranch, but then Damani Ranch swept Bishop Minogue. So uh, just very exciting, and I think it's, it's pretty open to the top of the field at this point. We'll see if anybody can come from the loser's bracket, but you do have a pretty strong top three and I think there's a pretty big gap after that. Those games getting going as our 4 p.m. NSN daily airing gets going so we'll have highlights coming up later tonight at 11 o'clock over on News 4 as the field continues to get whittled down. Softball will enter the picture, pardon me, later on this week. Back to the baseball diamond though. How about a former local prep great Robbie Snelling doing a lot of the same in the San Diego Padres organization. The lefty named the California League Pitcher of the Month, and for good reason, Chris, through five starts, he's really been nothing short of stellar. Yeah, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's 3-0, a 0.86 ERA, 26 wow. strikeouts in 21 innings. He's allowed only 10 hits. He has not given up more than one earned run in any of those five starts. The last start, the best that he's had so far, he goes... Five innings allows only one hit and those nine strikeouts out of the 12 outs he recorded. So uh, this is his first year in affiliated pro baseball, and he has been dynamite. He is at the low A level. Would not be shocked if he got called up to high A, which is in Fort Wayne, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, if he continues to pitch like this. So his first couple outings, they held him to just three innings as he was building up a little bit of endurance. In his last three outings, he's gone five innings. And, uh, you know, a little bit of wildness here and there with nine walks over those 21 innings. But he has been great and he's actually three years younger than the average rostered player in the California League which is a very hitter friendly league so if you have an ERA under four in this league you're doing great if you have one under one like he does uh, it's probably a time for him to get a little bit more of a difficult challenge. Trending up is Robbie Snelling yeah we'll see how long because he just looks like he just looks big out there and like you said he's a few years younger than a lot of those guys but out yeah. here making moves and nine strikeouts the last time that's what some of these highlights are from right here um, it'll be interesting to go from like Elsinore to Fort Wayne, that'll be an adjustment for yeah, sure. Yeah, if it does happen. I mean, I think they probably, you know, typically you're going to spend the whole year at low A if you're only right. 19 years old like he is. But he's pitching so well, you want to challenge him. I think he probably goes through May, and if he's still putting up numbers like this, he does get pushed to Fort Wayne and then on, you know, so on and so forth. They're triple A's in El Paso, and that's another very difficult place to be able to play. But there's always a question. When you come from northern Nevada, which isn't the highest level of high school baseball, how are you going to transition up to the pro level? That's probably why he fell to the 37. 
27th overall pick and wasn't a top 10 pick, but he is clearly showing that no matter the competition, he is ready to go. And when you're a pitcher, all you can wish for is health. He's had that so far, and uh, all of the managerial quotes I've seen have just been rave reviews about the kind of kid he is and how much he's putting into his craft. We love to see it from the lefty. All right, next on Daily, it's mail time as we dive into Chris's mailbag. Good one this week? It's a good one, yeah. We have a lot of different questions. Someone asking how hot is Ken Wilson's seat <laughs> heading into year two? Hmm, Chris's thoughts and more next on Daily. This segment sponsored by Laub and Laub. Welcome back to NSN Daily on a Tuesday. Alongside Chris Murray, I'm Mike Stephenson. We are in the Legends Bay Lounge, powered by Circus Sports, as it is time to dive into Chris Murray's mailbag. We teed it up in the previous segment, but uh, you can see the full thing at NevadaSportsNet.com. Good week? Yeah, it was a good week. There was actually a lot of different questions. Usually we have like one main theme, but with uh, us kind of in a weird uh, period entering the summer, not one dominant topic, so we yeah. hit on a bunch of different topics. That keyboard over at Chris's desk is really moving on a Monday as he fills up the mailbag. As you fill it up with questions, let's start with JT Myers, NV99. Is anyone else besides <laughs> Bishop Gorman going to win any large school spring state titles. Okay, so there's actually eight championships uh, handed out at every division in the spring. Bishop Gorman won zero of those last year. So while mm. Bishop Gorman is dominant in very specific sports that they like to be dominant in, uh, baseball is typically one of those, but that's been actually pretty well-rounded in terms of parity there with state championships, obviously football, boys basketball, things of that nature. They actually don't dominate all of the sports, unlike uh, what maybe most people think. Right. Uh, here's actually a fun fact for you. Bishop Minogue has won more regional championships this year than Bishop Gorman has. They've won six. They also have three runner-up finishes. So, uh, you know, I kind of delve into, is that becoming problematic with Bishop Gorman turning into what Bishop uh, Gorman is up here in the north with the, you know, obvious recruiting advantages of being a private school and not necessarily having zoned specific areas. So, uh, in terms of the question of Bishop Gorman, they probably will win a state championship this spring, but they're not going to go out and win all eight of them would not be my guess. It's an interesting point, and as you said, you elaborated uh, on the website, NevadaSportsNet.com, but really, when you look at regional dominance, there's an argument to be made that Minogue is more dominant than, than Gorman is. Yeah, yeah, as they've really invested over the last probably decades since they moved up to the last uh, large class division, obviously going and getting Ernie Howard, and I think that was kind of like a watershed moment for Bishop <laughs> yeah. Minogue Athletics. Like, they were going to be serious about trying to have a different level of prowess and, um, I guess, respect and success at the athletic level. So we've seen that, obviously getting Luke Babbitt, that turned into a regional championship. They've won uh, the football, boys basketball, girls basketball regional championships this year, and we'll see if they can add baseball to that mix as well. Coach Opio has those boys playing well, as well as they, of course, claim the regular season title. Nicholas Prabilla asks, how important is it Nevada picks up Jazz Gardner in basketball, and what percentage do you put it at? He is, of course, the son of Jelani Gardner, who just took the, uh, the head coaching job at Sage Ridge. Yes. So I'm gonna put it at 0% chance, actually. Oh. So uh, I've made a couple of phone calls, uh, had some conversations. Nevada no longer in the sweepstakes for Jazz Gardner, a seven foot, four-star prep prospect who we'd been kind of talking about the last week or two. Nevada was recruiting him, but they've kind of uh, decided to move in a different direction, according to people familiar with Jazz Gardner's recruiting. Uh, he is headed, in theory, I guess, uh, according to report, 
to Ole Miss this week, and then USF after that. He also had Nevada and Florida State on his list of four finalists. So a couple of red flags, nothing particularly about Jazz himself. He's uh, from everybody I've talked to, a really good kid and certainly has a lot of talent. My guess is he probably ends up at USF, but not going to be a fit for Nevada in this year's recruiting class. Um, they actually did reach out recently to St. John's Center. Mohamed Keta, he's a seven foot one, 220 pounder. Didn't play a lot for St. John's this last year, just 24 minutes, but actually comes from the NBA Basketball African League. Um, process and uh, you know came here and played Division One last year. So Nevada does have that one scholarship left remaining open. I don't think it's going to be going to Jazz Gardner, but the Wolfpack will sort through, probably pick up a transfer either from the JUCO or the Division One level to kind of round out its roster heading into next year. All right, so Chris's version of a Woj bomb right there. <laughs> as it sounds like Nevada is out on Jazz Gardner. Big question. We'll have to think of a little nickname for your your story breaks right there. Okay, like a Murray missile or something. Oh, like that. I, that's Ooh, a good one. That was off top right there. <laughs> How about Mike Snyder, DHS? I'm. Seeing seen some prognostications that say the Wolfpack football team will have one conference win next year. If that happens, is Nevada going to be Coach <laughs> Wilson-less the following season? Two years for Ken if they only get one? Yeah, I, I've, I've gotten a few questions like this over the spring, and I don't know why people think that next year is going to be a repeat of last year. Right. Obviously, last year was not great. Two and ten. 0-8 in conference. Um, I, I do maintain that Ken Wilson inherited probably the worst roster of any first-year head coach in Nevada athletics history. So there was a huge uphill climb just to be competitive in the Mountain West. They've obviously added a ton of Pac-12 transfers. Now, if they do go something like 3-9, and 1-7 and seven in conference next year, there's going to be a ton of disappointment because in year two, you're supposed to see a big jump there. You see Trey Weed, he should be an impact transfer from Eastern Washington. I don't think you're going to see a repeat of last year. Even if you do, I think Ken Wilson is going to get a third year on the job. I don't think you pull the trigger on a football coach after two years because you're talking about 85 scholarship players. It takes a while to turn over that roster. I think Nevada's schedule is manageable enough to potentially get to a bowl game this year if the offense takes a big leap forward. So if they don't get a bowl, I could see there being some disappointment, but you want to see improvement. I think you will see improvement from the financial aspect. If Nevada were to fire Ken Wilson after this year, it's a $1 million buyout. They don't want to do that as well, specifically to somebody who meant so much to this right. program. He's going to get a year three. I think if they're really stuck in the mud after three years, maybe a move is made, but I don't think any move is being made after this upcoming season. You said it. I mean, he was hired four months before spring ball last year and had to try to makeshift a roster together and I mean we saw the product it wasn't especially a first-year product that uh, that some of these new coaches are used to so as you said I think it's a safe bet that Wilson's got at least a couple more years leading the silver and blue next on daily as again that was Chris's mailbag you can see the full edition at nevadasportsnet.com coming up next we're going to look back on some recent Wolfpack recruiting classes coach Wilson had nothing to do with this we're going to use hindsight to re-rank them who's expected to make an impact this year for Nevada and maybe some other schools? We'll talk about that next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Mike and Chris still hanging out in the lounge on a Tuesday, re-ranking some Wolfpack recruiting classes. You can see those spreads at NevadaSportsNet.com. Just the motivation for doing this, Chris. Well, I mean, usually this time of year, you see like re-ranked drafts at the NFL level with the draft coming up. So I was curious. Okay, let's go back and look at where like 247, maybe the chief prognosticator on recruiting rankings, had some of these players rated. And now that most of these careers are over, where did they actually finish yesterday? We looked at 2018 class, and that's one of the best in school history. 2019, not so strong. Yeah, I had last year's, uh, I should say yesterday's class that you talked about, 2018, names like Strong, Dubs, Turner. Let's move it and turn the page now to 2019. And at the top, number one, 
Well, he's not here anymore. He's somewhere yeah. else. Justin Lockhart, wide receiver. Yeah, and I think this shows that the class wasn't super, super strong. Justin Lockhart's a very solid wide receiver, but not an all-conference wide receiver. So 19 players in this class, only six left at Nevada. This would be their second senior season, their redshirt senior season. Um, only two of these 19 players actually turned into starters for the Wolfpack. So Justin Lockhart now at San Jose State uh, should be a starter for them this year. Should be one of the better wide receivers in the Mountain West. Unfortunately, not at Nevada. All right. Uh Similar story here. I know a lot of folks were excited when Melquan Stovall ended up on campus. Yeah. Showed some glimpses in silver and blue. Ended up following Coach uh, Norvell to Colorado State, and he's even at another home now. Yeah, his uh, brother Melquise was before him, and he was a Pac-12 player, so there was a lot of high hopes for him. He did turn into a starter during that 2021 season. Was a very reliable slot player. Followed, like you said, Coach Norvell to Colorado State. Entered the transfer portal after a couple of games last year. Now at Arizona State, so he will play in the Pac-12, he was the number 10 rated recruit by 247. Entering the class ended up being one of the better players out of that class. Again, unfortunately, not all of that production in Nevada. Yeah, ended up out of town. Uh, all right, number three, a guy who is still around, expected to do big things this, this year, Jamal Bell, another wideout. Yeah, he was actually the number one rated recruit in the class. So he has lived up to those expectations, had offers from more than half of the Pac-12. Unfortunately, had some academic issues, so did not enroll in the 2019 season. Uh, came to Nevada 2020. Should be one of the Wolfpack's better players this year. So one of those pieces from that original class still hanging on with the Wolfpack. And I think he has to have a big season if Nevada's passing attack is going to be a little bit more potent than we saw last year. The guy at number four finding his way back to silver and blue. Now on defense, Henry yeah. Ikahihifo. Yeah, very interesting one. He was the number three rated recruit in the class. He had offers from a bunch of schools, but Notre Dame, UCLA, and Nevada, his finalists, picked Nevada because they were going to let his brother walk onto the team. Two years here as a tight end, then went to College of the Canyons, turned into a defensive player, then a year last year at Cal and back at Nevada this year wow. as a defensive lineman. So took a very circuitous route uh, to finishing his career here with the Wolfpack, but he was the number three rated recruit in the original class and we have him as the number four player and now he's back in 2023 on defense excited to see what he can do and it sounds like his brother is finally going to make his way here too in the yes fall. his brother Tooney is also <laughs> uh, recently committed to Nevada so it will all work out with them playing together in Nevada it just took five years to get there yeah roundabout way as we look forward to them reuniting in the fall number five on the offensive line Zach Welch and very similar story to Henry Kahifu because he came here for two years went to a junior college American River College and then came back last year called Ken Wilson himself and said hey I kind of miss Nevada. Do you mind me coming back? So played a little bit in his first tenure, started five or six games last year, should be a starter at offensive guard this year. So those are your top five players. Again, that's not like a Carson Strong, Romeo Dobbs, uh, Toa Tawa, Aaron Frost, uh, Cole Turner, which we were talking about in last uh, the year prior's class. So, um, you know, not the strongest class, but there are a couple of pieces who have survived and, and become starters here for the Wolfpack. And we'll have to see how they finish things out, both the ones here and the ones abroad. Let's keep things moving now, talking Nevada football and the present. Our weekly Twitter poll question over at Nevada Sportsnet Twitter account. Which Nevada football game are you most looking forward to in 2023? Of course, the opener at USC. You've got Kansas coming to town. Of course, the folks, though, it's always about the Rebels. October 14th, UNLV is here. 47% of the vote going to that UNLV game. Number two, when the Jayhawks are in town, 22.5%. Then you got USC at 21. Colorado State, not a lot of folks excited for 
Round two against Jay Norvell at 9%. That's actually the one I yeah. voted for, too. It's going to well, be a Well, I mean, it's a tough question because obviously USC season opener at the Coliseum, that is a great game. You should be looking forward to that. But if you're a Wolfpack fan, knowing that they're a preseason top 10 team, Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and Nevada coming off a 2-10 and 10 season, it's probably not going to be the most uh, nice outcome for yeah, the Wolfpack. Yeah. Then you look at Kansas. The Lance Leopold really turned them around. You get a home game against the Power 5 opponent. That has not happened all that often at Nevada. So that's a very intriguing game. And and then you got the two conference opponents. I think UNLV makes sense. I think that's what most Wolfpack fans are most looking forward to, trying to get that Fremont Cannon back after losing it last year. Um, but it, I, maybe it's be just because I covered Jay Norvell, but I think that game will always interest me. Yes. Probably not quite as much emotion into it this year as we get one year removed from him leaving. But there are still a lot of players on that Wolfpack team. And I don't think there's a game Nevada played harder in last year than that Colorado State game, including UNLV. I know that game means a lot to the Wolfpack players. I think it means a lot to the Wolfpack fans, but you can't go wrong with UNLV. That was such a tough loss to the Rams last year. Uh, we don't have to go back that far. But yeah, there it is, the spread. UNLV, most fans are excited about that one. Jayhawks coming to town is pretty exciting. Of course, going to the Coliseum, that'll be an experience. And then the Rams there at number four. I'll add one. Don't sleep on the Idaho Vandals coming to town. <laughs> that is an FCS opportunity that Nevada better not blow. True. This is a team that, of course, Coach Wilson was coaching down the street at Washington State for five seasons. Coach Eck has the Vandals playing some good ball, and they got the McCormick brothers who yep. are over at Churchill They'll County. They'll be homecoming. They'll be coming and back. These are old WAC rivals. I mean, these are old Big Sky rivals as well. So there is a long history between these two teams. But we talked in the last segment. Uh, Coach Wilson could be on the hot seat. If you lose back-to-back -back seasons to FCS teams, maybe there's some traction there. So they have to get off to a good start. Two of their first three games against Power 5 schools. The one that's not is against Idaho. That's a game you have to win. Um, but some really fun games on the schedule this year and not too far away. Before we know it, Nevada will be in that Coliseum. Cannot believe it. All right, next on Daily. Well, let's hit the links, shall we? Victoria Gailey continuing her play at the NCAA Regionals Rough Round 1, bouncing back in Round 2. We're going to check on her play and have more next on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Chris and Mike with you on a Tuesday, talking round two of three at the NCAA Regional in San Antonio for Nevada's Victoria Gailey. She had a rough opening card yesterday, going eight over. Today, a steady round of even par, improving her by something like 20 spots as her round finished up. So she ended yesterday outside of the top 50. Now she's within the top 35. Yeah, tied for 32nd right now. There are a couple players on the course, so that could go up or down a little bit. But she was very solid throughout. She was basically pars all the way through. She did have two birdies, two bogeys. She birdied her 17th hole, bogeyed her 18th hole. So it was a lot of pars stacking up. And after yesterday's roller coaster, I'm sure that felt good. Probably got some nerves out. So probably not going to be enough to get to the NCAA championship. She would have to go berserk, something like 10 under tomorrow. That's probably not going to happen. It is the third of three rounds. So this will be the last time Victoria Gailey gets to compete for the Wolfpack. And that will be a very special round for one of the best players in program history. That uh, first round did kind of submarine her hopes moving on to the national championships, but still to be able to bounce back and have a very strong uh, day today, like you said, move up right around 20 spots, could still get a top 20 finish if she plays a good round tomorrow. Says a lot about the young lady she is and the player she is that she shook off that 80 round and hit a 72 less than 24 hours later. Pretty good stuff as we uh, look forward to Gailey finishing strong in round three over there in San Antonio. How about a former prep standout alert? One time Galena great Ian Gilligan doing huge things at Long Beach State. He is the reigning Big West Freshman of the Year, just last week claiming the conference title as an individual and with his teammates. Oh, and the sophomore 
also winning, winning a U.S. Open qualifier in Palm Desert. Chris, his story is special for a lot of reasons, but he is certainly a special player. Yeah, I mean, he's a kid who overcame cancer when he was at Galena High School, won three regional championships despite having to battle that cancer, and has been a standout player at Long Beach State, only a sophomore. So he moves on to the sectional qualifying of the U.S. Open. He finished first at 6 under 66 out of more than 90 players at that course down there in Palm Desert. So he's been phenomenal this season. You go back to last year, he had three top tens as a freshman, so that's a pretty good showing. This year, eight top tens, four tournament wins, two tournament third place finishes. This is a top 15 player at the college level. So uh, really exciting to see what he'll do. Tomorrow they announce the field for NCAA regionals. He and his team are going to be in because they win the, the Big West. Uh, and then also right after that, going to be competing for a spot in the actual U.S. Open. So uh, for a kid who can't even take a legal drink, he's already accomplished quite a bit in his life. <laughs> a lot of big time golf coming up for the former Galena Grizzly. As Chris mentioned, that sectional qualifier for the U.S. Open. And tomorrow we'll find out where he and his teammates land in the NCAA region. Shout out to Ian. How about a little men's basketball news as we shift gears? Fresno State landing a guard by the name of Jalen Weaver, a one-time Wolfpack player, 11 games in silver and blue, Chris. Yeah, it was a couple years ago, so he was a three-star recruit out of Colorado, spent his senior season at a basketball academy in Southern California, so didn't play a ton for the Wolfpack two years ago, ended up hitting the transfer portal, went to Salt Lake Community College, one of the best community colleges for basketball in the country, averaged right around 10 points per game there. There was actually a lot of rumors he was going to sign with UMass Lowell, but stays out here on the West Coast, Fresno State, Justin Hudson in a uh, very crucial year for him. Um, Probably a guy who doesn't start for the Bulldogs, but should be able to get some minutes off the bench. He's a very talented player, six foot five combo guard, and uh, hopefully can find some playing time here in the Mountain West. Didn't work out at Nevada. I know academically he's going to have to take some strides. That was a big issue here at Nevada, but should have a chance to play next year as a regular rotation player for the Bulldogs coming off just the 10-win season. We'll see Weaver back in the friendly confines of Lawler Event Center come next winter. All right, next on Daily, a little puck talk. VGK going on the road and getting one back last night in Edmonton. We'll talk about it and look ahead coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily from our champion Chevrolet studio. He's Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson. Wrapping up a Tuesday show with a little puck talk. How about the Golden Knights cruising past the Oilers last night in Game 3 from Edmonton, Vegas regaining home ice with a 5-1 win. It was the Oilers actually scoring first, and that was the only time they scored as VGK rallied off five unanswered in the first and second periods. Jonathan Marchessault scoring a pair as this series adds another layer to what should be a fun one. Yeah, I was actually curious. When was the last time the Oilers scored one goal or less? Because I talk so much about how great this team's offense is. You have to go back 34 games ago. So wow. 33 straight games where they've scored at least two goals. The last time they were held below that mark was February 9th, a 2-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, this was a historic performance, or at least a heroic performance, by the Golden Knights who lost their starting uh, uh, goalie, Laurent Broussant, right there. You saw him being taken off, and then Aiden Hill steps in. He faced 24 shots. He stopped all 24 of them. So this one felt like a must win for the Golden Knights, not to fall into a 3-1 deficit. They were able to do so. So now it's a best of three series. And uh, this Oilers offense so good, I still like them. But Vegas has to be feeling very good that they went up north of the border, were able to capture a win, and now uh, get that home court, uh, home ice advantage back in their favor. As for tonight's games, Carolina and New Jersey, as well as Dallas and Seattle. Let's finish things with 
a, a, a clip that's going to make you squinch a little bit. <laughs> Guardians hosting the Tigers. Maybe you saw this in Major League Baseball. Detroit's a kill. Badu at first, heading for second. The throw, it's almost too good. He's out, but I don't think that's his number one concern. <laughs> I guess that's why you wear protection in baseball. Games. He also was out in this play? They called him out. Uh, that's the thing. I, I guess feel he like did. He's, Ken, there's I don't no tag there. I don't know about the out. They should have replayed that one. But, uh, yeah, you always got to wear a cup. That's what I tell my little Dodgers. You got to wear a cup. My son doesn't like doing it, but you never know when you're going to need that cup. Uncomfortable, but effective, yes. <laughs> Good luck tonight to the little Dodgers right in the Badoos. We'll see you tomorrow on NSN Daily.